Alright guys, welcome to part two of episode two of the Producers in the Paint podcast. We continue our conversation with Dan Favale, who's going to talk to us about the future of Ben Simmons, the LA Lakers, and what did he make of Scottie Pippen's comments towards Kevin Durant? Hmm. Find all that out and more. This is Producers in the Paint. What do you do at this point with Ben Simmons, in your opinion? You have to trade him, I think. I've been a big advocate of they need to... I think those two can play together if they get enough ball handling and shooting around them. But now you put yourself in a situation where after that series, um, that felt like the point of, of no return, that loss to the Hawks, where there's something off here. And Ben Simmons on the court is, he's not even in the dunker spot a lot of times. He's just hanging out in mid-range where he's just not a threat from without the ball, which is the worst possible place to stand. So I wouldn't say I would guarantee that he's traded, but I think it's better than a 50% chance that he's on a different team at the start of next season. Do you feel that you can get equal value for a Ben Simmons? Because that's the argument that I'm hearing. You know, you have a guy who's he's been an all-star. He was named Rookie of the Year. Um, he was one of the players that you were talking about being, you know, probably Defensive Player of the Year. He's led the league in steals one year, and it's still a young career for him. And if I point out, you know, his accolades and I point out how many points he averaged in the regular season, you say, well, dang, that's a pretty good player, might as well keep him. What What do you think is the thing that is holding Ben Simmons back game-wise that it seems like he kind of fizzles out in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think it is. It's mental to some extent because he even said it. And if a player says that, you have to give him the benefit of the doubt there. The other part is we know that he hasn't really followed a like Sixers-scripted uh, plan over the offseason. I believe after his first or second offseason in the league, he – decided to just work with his people, and they helped with his jump shot. But this is someone who, in summer league, when he was at LSU, uh, he took jump shots. They weren't, but he wasn't this great jump shooter, but he took them, and there's value in that. And then we saw a couple of years ago in the playoffs, he shot like 76% or whatever from the foul line. So I think it's just the, the level of confidence there. He needs to be able to feel like he can take those shots in a game. And as you sort of first mentioned about his trade value, to answer that question, I don't think it's as low as, you know, you're going to see the, the fake trades or the jokes on social media. Um, Twitter tends to be a, a prisoner of the moment in that sense. Right. I don't think the Sixers are going to get great value for Ben Simmons now because his stock is clearly tanked. But this is still a situation where they're not going to move him and just sell super low. I would still expect them, you know, if you're looking at a player, I think probably the worst type of player you're seeing them accept in return as part of a headlining Ben Simmons package is maybe a sign-and-trade with with Kyle Lowry. That feels like the bare minimum that they will get. Talking with Dan Favale of Bleacher Report. He is their NBA writer. Okay, a couple more before we let you go here. Um, Magic Johnson says that the Lakers should play Anthony Davis at center a lot more, probably move LeBron James off ball next season. But Anthony Davis coming into L.A., there were reports that allegedly he didn't want to play a whole lot of center. And LeBron, I feel like you've tried bits and pieces to not have the ball in his hands as much. At least we tried to see that with Dennis Schroeder this past season. Um, what should the Lakers be doing or thinking at this point? I'm in agreement with the Anthony Davis thing. I, his his whole concern with it is he doesn't want to be injured all the time because he's defending centers. I don't you know want to oversimplify this, but he's injured all the time anyway at this right. point. So what are you sparing yourself from? And I even talking with, like, NBA scouts, they don't think that there's like this huge difference between him playing the four and the five. And so I absolutely think to maximize that roster, he should be a full-time five next year, and they, they should make that clear to him. With LeBron, I don't know if they need to take the ball out of his hands so much as they just need someone to, to help 
with the ball handling responsibility. It was supposed to be Schroeder. He didn't really help when LeBron was on the court, and he definitely didn't help when LeBron's off the court. And that's the bigger thing for the Lakers, is maybe not so much in the postseason because LeBron plays so much, but when you're in the regular season, you don't want to see your offense fall off a cliff every time LeBron sits down. Right. Your flexibility is limited this summer, but can you get involved in sign-and-trade talks for maybe a, an Evan Fournier from Boston or a Spencer Dinwiddie in Brooklyn since no one expects him to be back there? Those are the types of players that could really help this Los Angeles Lakers team. They're like bigger names. They're not huge names. Right. And I think that it would put them right back in that title discussion next season. What did you make? Because I, I still don't understand it at this point. What did you make of Scottie Pippen's comments about Kevin Durant and the back and forth that they had a couple days ago? I, I kind of feel like it was for the sake of promoting his scotch and his book. I don't know why else he would say it. I just, I'm honestly, I'm in your boat. It I just didn't make sense to me. And this is not someone in Scotty Pippen who's come out spitting these, these hot, nonsensical takes in the past. So that's right. really the only thing that, that I could come up with. But it was, those were egregious comments. And yeah. uh, you hope that the discourse, you know, I think that's a big thing with these national conversations in general. The discourse is so lowbrow. Uh, you, you hope that stops being the standard at some point to draw attention. All right, Dan, before we uh, let you go here, tell the listeners how they can uh, read and uh, listen to more of your work and also listen to your show, Hardwood Knox. Uh, yeah, the best place to do that would be just to follow me on Twitter. It's my name, at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E, and they can follow the show at Hardwood Knox, spelled exactly as it sounds. He is our NBA writer here on Producers in the Paint, Dan Favale of Bleacher Report and also the co-host of Hardwood Knox joining us on Producers in the Paint. Dan, thank you so much for your time, and uh, hopefully we can do this again down the road. Most definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. You're listening to Producers in the Paint. Now, conversations from Courtside. All right, let's have a conversation from Courtside. Joining me is a friend actually, of 1010XL and 92.5 FM. He was with us a couple of uh, years ago. I think it was last year, to be more exact. He was on um, Into the Night with Rick Ballou to talk about Mike Norvell and his transition from Memphis to FSU. Now he joins us on the Producers in the Paint podcast to talk Memphis Grizzlies basketball. Evan Barnes of the Commercial Appeal joins us now to discuss all things at the Grindhouse. Evan, thanks for a couple moments of your time. Um, how was the vacation back in California? It was much needed. It was uh, my first time getting out of Memphis, uh, out of Tennessee, I should say, since the pandemic started. Um, so it was much needed. Got some good rest, saw some family, friends. Um, just really good for my soul. Like, you know, we've had a long year, and I think it was just, you know, now that most of us are vaccinated, it was good to just kind of get away and recharge and um, got to hug my mom and my sister again. So it was worth it. So let's get started with this. Give me your assessment of the Grizzlies season. Well, it was probably better than what most expected. I mean, nobody, if you had told me in December that this team would be, you know, talking about a playoff run that was mostly promising, I think we all would have been like, you're crazy. Um, But the good thing is, is that the Grizzlies, you know, overachieved once again this year. I think they absolutely were – better than expected, but also you saw some surprises this year. You saw um, kind of Dylan Brooks kind of show his his medal a little bit that he could, yes. you know, not just be a great scorer, but also a great defender. You yes. saw um, a few role players really step up, and most importantly, John Morant really kind of made a national name for himself with his yes. playoff performance. So overall, 
I would say that this season was absolutely a success, and it gives you a little bit of excitement to kind of wonder what could happen next year with the healthy uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Right, and that's really the next question that I want to ask you as a team. We'll talk about Jaron in a moment here, but as a team making the playoffs um, this year with with John Morant leading the ship and you defeat a red-hot Golden State Warriors team, I don't know how many individuals outside of Memphis that are deep basketball heads were probably in the corner of Memphis will defeat Golden State in the play-in to get the final spot, but they do. Now what's the next step for Memphis? What steps do they kind of need to take to make a bigger leap next year to where they're not in a play-in game? They're actually one of the seeds that, you know, we have to look out for next season. Well, I think for, for, for one, we have to see if they're going to bring back this play-in game next year because um, I think that kind of affects my answer because – I think the NBA, you know, I was not initially on board with it, but it seems like the NBA got what it wanted. It got ratings. It got the perfect storm of LeBron and Steph Curry in there. So there's a chance they may bring it back. So um, I preface what I'm going to say with that. Now, as far as the Grizzlies, what they need for them, what they need to grow is, I think obviously, I think I mentioned a healthy Jaron Jackson helps a little bit. Um, You obviously want to see them continue to grow as a three-point shooting team. Obviously, they hit some strides last year, but they need some more shooting. And really, you kind of need to see um, this bench that was really strong most of the year. Um, they really struggled near the, the second half, near like the last like two or three weeks of the season. So you need some more pop from this bench. So I would be curious kind of what happens with, um, what they do, obviously, with Justin Winslow because his contract is, um, I mean, the team has an option for him next year to bring, right. to bring him back or not. Um, we'll see what they do in free agency. Now, um, conversations from courtside. The bench to be a little bit stronger. Need to improve with their shooting, and then obviously John Morant needs to continue to take a leap into year three to keep being the star that he is right now. Talking with Evan Barnes of the Commercial Appeal, he joins us on the Producers in the Paint podcast. All right, just a couple more for you before we let you go here. Jaron Jackson Jr. Besides health, what does he need to do? Um, as an individual player, to be kind of that second star right next to John ja Morant and improve next season in his individual game? Well, I think, for one, he has to stay healthy. Um, he has not – this is the first season he's been able to finish healthy, so I think for him it's going to be important that he can stay healthy. But now that he has his first really healthy off season, where he's not worried about injury recovery, right. um, what I'd like to see from him is definitely continue to, you know, improve his – you know, keep that jump shot consistent, but also – um, I'd like to see him, you know, get a few moves in the post a little bit because obviously what teams are going to do now is they're going to need him to be that shooter that he is but also be the player who can, you know, get some things going in the post, be a strong presence inside, um, rebounding. Um, his natural position is probably more stretch four than a backup five or a stretch five, but you definitely want to see him get healthy, get a little stronger, and just add some moves because that's going to make him um, a much more deadlier weapon. And you look at – you know, his fellow uh, 2018 draftees, Luka Doncic, Trey Young, DeAndre Ayton, right. all of them have really shined in the playoffs. Jaron now has a chance to really have motivation to really grow and show what he can do because he's up for an extension um, this summer, and the team has to decide if they're going to either extend him now or maybe wait till after the season when he's healthy to get a better body of work. So um, it, it's going to be a really big 12 months for Jaron Jackson to kind of see where he goes from here. Because obviously he's a part of the Grizzly future, but it's going to be up to him to grow and just add to his game a little bit. Should Memphis try and go hard um, this offseason and try to pick up a key 
free agent. If I if I were to say DeMar DeRozan was interested in the Memphis Grizzlies for the right price, should Memphis say, you know, we'll we'll bring out the Brinks truck for a DeMar DeRozan to add him with Jaron Jackson and John Morant? Should should Memphis be looking in that kind of direction or should they just kind of keep building as they have been and just kind of let the chips fall where they may as they continue to grow? I think if there's somebody out there they can that they can probably bring them on bring on who's maybe either a one or two year guy they can bring for one or two years. I say go after him. Or if there's a trade option that you can make a trade for somebody, I say explore and go for it because honestly, um, this team where it is right now, the goal should be to get better. And the clock has started now towards 2022, um, which is going to be a very pivotal all season because you not only have Jaron Jackson's contract, but you have Grayson Allen who's due for an extension. You have Kyle Anderson, Jonas Valanciunas, and Tyus Jones, who are going to be free agents. Um, again, Justice Winslow, if you bring him back, it'll be for his, the last year of his deal. Um, so I would say absolutely, if, if there's somebody out there that the Grizzlies can go after this, uh, this summer, I say why not? Because um, it's going to really depend kind of what they do with Winslow. Like his, his $13 million option is going to really affect their cap space. Because they, if they take that away and they don't bring him back, they have $22 million available. I think that's a good enough price to go get a mid-range, a mid-level free agent right. who can come add and be a veteran presence on this team. Because this team is young. They're great, but they're young. They need some more um, veterans who are proven. So I think they go out and do that. Um, I think they'll be helpful. But I, I think the Grizzlies absolutely will be looking at some options. Maybe, again, a veteran shooter, a veteran small forward, power forward, just somebody who can kind of add to the depth that they have at the guard and wing position. Uh, final moments with Evan Barnes of the Commercial Appeal joins us here on the Producers in the Paint podcast. Talking about the Memphis Grizzlies, but I would be remiss having you on, and we don't talk about the University of Memphis and Penny Hardaway. They win the NIT this year. Um, talk about just the evolution of Penny Hardaway and what he's been able to do for this University of Memphis basketball program and where you kind of see it going in the next couple of years with uh, him leading the ship. Sure. I mean, it, it's funny. I mean, Penny Hardaway has now been coaching here almost, you know, as long as I've been here. He was hired a few months after I moved here. So now, you know, there's been three seasons. Obviously, he's really kind of established Memphis as a place where he wants to attract big-name big talent, but he also wants to attract a program that can be consistent and get back to the tournament. Now, I think the tournament is still the goal that this team has not reached and they need to get there. But overall, you, you look at what Penny Hardaway has done, and he's brought juice back to the city. He's brought excitement back to Memphis basketball. Um, there's a proud tradition here. So I think – Next year is going to be really crucial for Penny to see if this team can get to the tournament finally. But I think he also kind of understands, like, now he's got players who've been here for two to three years and not just trying to go after the big-name recruits and whatnot. He can still go after them, but now he's got players that understand what the program is about and be that veteran presence. And I think that's really what's been missing is you don't have enough grown-ups on this team or veterans who can really kind of um, teach and lead. So I'll be very curious where they go in year four, but the excitement is there. And Memphis basketball absolutely um, is going to have another um, year in the spotlight with, you know, here at least. And if they get to the tournament, it'll be really, really good to see, you know, what Memphis basketball is like when, you know, they have a, they can build the NIT and get to the NCAAs. Absolutely. All right, Evan, as we let you go here, uh, tell listeners how they can uh, catch up with you on social media, as well as read uh, your work. Um, Can tell you, can you tell the listeners about that? Sure thing. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Evan underscore B. 
you can follow me there. I tweet a lot of stuff about, I'm tweeting a lot about the playoffs, obviously, but also I got Grizzlies content there. You can read me at the commercial appeal. Um, and so that's pretty much where I'm at right now. Evan Barnes, our Memphis Grizzlies insider here on the Producers in the Paint podcast, writes for the commercial appeal and does a great job there. Evan, thank you so much for doing this, and hopefully we can do this sometime down the line once the season gets up and running and Memphis is uh, running out of the tunnel for next season. (laughs) Definitely look forward to it. Thanks for having me. This is Producers in the Paint. All right. Before we get out of here, I have Michael Phillips here with me. Gave him the floor to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers before their game seven battle against the Atlanta Hawks. And they didn't listen. And they did not listen. The Hawks defeated Philadelphia now in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks. That series tied at one. Asked Dan Vavale, as you guys heard, what do you do with Ben Simmons? He said trade him. I want to hear from the Philadelphia 76ers fan himself, Michael Phillips. What are you doing at this point with Ben Simmons? I'm with Dan. Get him out. I'm wow. I'm at I am the egregious way that that series ended. I was such a Ben Simmons defender. Right. And I was adamant about the fact that he's not asked to shoot the ball. It's not his role. He plays his role to a, a really high level. Right. He's a great distributor. He's he's an elite passer when he actually shows that he can be. He hasn't shown that recently. Actually, right. that's a, another issue that I won't get too far into. Right. Um, he's He is an elite defender. I thought he should have won Defensive Player of the Year over um, Rudy Gobert, who proved to be terrible in down the stretch in their losing series against Clippers. Um, right. But with Ben Simmons, I, I don't think it's going to work, and I I want him out because I think the rest of the team wants him out. Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid were asked about uh, Ben Simmons, and well, Joel Embiid was asked, what was the turning point in Game 7 after they lost? And he said, and I quote, this was an ex- I think this was an exact quote, right. I may be paraphrasing a little bit, but he basically said, when we had a dunk and we came away shooting one of two from the free throw line. That dunk that Ben Simmons completely whiffed and gave up on Absolutely. when the closest guy to him was Trey Young, who was on the other side of the paint and is nine nine inches shorter than he is. Right. And when Ben Simmons is right underneath the basket and he decides to pass it over to Matisse Thibel, who wasn't ready for the pass because why would he be? That's he had no idea it was coming to him. It's like, all right, Ben's going to dunk it. It's like, oh, shoot, here comes the ball. Right. I got to throw something up. He gets fouled. He goes one for two, and they lose any type of momentum that they had. The entire home crowd was like, um. Okay. Right. I mean, you could stunned. hear the crowd go. Huh? What in the world? They were stunned. Yes. Man. Um. And so Doc Rivers was asked after the game, "Can you win a championship with Ben Simmons?" And he immediately was like, "I don't know." I, and that's I really coming from know. a guy who defended Ben Simmons in the Washington series. Yes. In the entire Atlanta Hawks series. Exactly. He and if you watched it and you saw what his face looked like yeah. and how he said it, he was he was just at his wits end with it. He was so it seemed like he was so frustrated. I've tried to give this guy confidence throughout yeah. this entire playoffs. You know yeah. what? I don't know. So all of that said, it wasn't even the most uh, angry thing that I've been at Ben Simmons. So this has been reported a few times, and I and I kind of was like, I don't I don't know if I believe it. I got to see it, and I finally saw it. 
it was that Ben Simmons is coddled. He has the and people the people around him. He's he, he's got yes men around him, right. and he's babied, and he's been that way his entire basketball career. That's been reported recently, and I believe it. Right, and he's unwilling to really be coached, and that it seems like he's aloof and he doesn't really care. Hmm. And I finally saw that in the Atlanta Hawks series. He kept saying. After games, he's like, all right, you know, uh, people are asking about the free throw issues right. and he's going like two for ten from the line. He's like, all right, so how are you going to, you know, what are you going to, well, why are you doing that? Are you going to fix it? And he's like, yeah, it's completely mental. But he would say it like that. He was like, yeah, it's completely mental. I know what's wrong, but it seemed like he had no interest in actually right. fixing it. It was just, he was so aloof. And I saw a moment with Doc Rivers in like game, it was game one or two. It was very early. I think it was game one because um, they gave up that lead and the Hawks won game one. Um, and it was during that stretch, and everybody was kind of frustrated during that game. And Doc was trying to talk to Ben about something that he needed to do or whatever, and Ben turned around and just walked away from him. And it was just this. And they didn't. The announcers didn't really talk about. It. They were showing it. Right. And I was like, he just walked away from the coach, and the coach is yelling at right. him. And I'm like, Doc, Doc's trying to do whatever he can for him, and Ben's just like, whatever. I'm out. Wow. And so I was I'm completely done on Ben Simmons. I saw one trade scenario that won't happen, but I think would actually be good for both teams. I'm curious what you think. Uh Nick Wright from First Things First on Fox Sports One put this out there. He said, trade Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving. It won't happen, obviously. The Nets won't make that trade. But if they did, it would be beneficial for both teams because the Nets get a defensive guy right. that can bring the ball up the court right. and then just give it to Kevin Durant and James Harden right. and then go set screens and play defense and, right. and get rebounds. That's all he would need to do. He can get out of the way right. and, and be a you know more more or less a big man right. down low for him. Um, and he can still finish at the rim. He's just been he was scared this this entire postseason it seems, but I think he still has that in him at the right. very least. Um, and then the Sixers would get a ball handler that can shoot threes, is a real threat, right. would space the floor open, can still swing it out and is a decent passer, and he and it would be the first time that Kyrie has a dominant big man. Right. Oh. So I think a trade like that would be great. I don't think the Nets would ever go for it, but I would love that deal. I think if, the, if they are going to trade Ben Simmons, which I think they should do, they have to get a ball handler that can shoot and score. A Kyrie Irving, a Damian Lillard, not maybe at their level, but a guy that can knock down threes consistently as a point guard. And I'm not sure who that could be or who would be willing to trade with them, but that's the type of guy that they need to go for. Somebody that can run pick and roll with Joel Embiid and, you know, not crowd the lane like Ben Simmons would do at times. Right. Um. Yeah. So uh, allegedly, 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 according to reports, a lot of people think that Kyrie Irving has played his last season with the Nets that he really? probably won't be returning um next year. I don't year. know about that. And I... that there probably will be teams that Brooklyn will at least listen to for a trade. Well maybe if like Philadelphia were to package Ben Simmons and a few other guys because Brooklyn right now needs depth. They need bench. Here's here's my thing though. When you look at a Ben Simmons are you going to get, if you are the Philadelphia 76ers, are you going to get equal value No, for a Ben no. Simmons? But like, what's, what's Ben Simmons' value right now? I, I don't mean, know. Listen, this was a guy that, what, you wanted to say was in the running, at least, for Defensive Player of the Year. I thought he absolutely should have been Defensive Player, even with what we saw in the playoffs. He was Led Defensive the league Player in, of the Year. Led the league in steals one year, I believe. Yep. 
He's a three-time um, All-Star. Three-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, two-time All-Defensive Team. This year averaged 14-7-7. Seven, and seven. Yeah, but what did he average in the playoffs? I And I get it, and I think that's the gripe on him. But were we, were we saying anything when he was averaging 14-7-7? Seven, and seven, Yes. And we're saying that, you know, this guy may be Defensive Player of the Year. Were we... Talking about him in the I don't we weren't talking about him in until now the playoffs, but we say in the regular season that this guy's probably one of the best talents. Now, if you want to sell me on the fact that you know what, we know what Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are as a duo. We know what they are. And we know that if we had to choose, because I feel like there were questions there, if we have to choose between Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. It's Embiid every single time. Yeah. We're gonna build our team around Joel Embiid. As they should. I just don't know if you're going to get equal value. And I don't think you will, especially if you try to trade him immediately. Now, I think um, there was the report that uh, the Philadelphia 76ers organization and uh, Ben Simmons' representation with uh, Rich Paul and Clutch Sports, they right. met in Chicago to discuss his future. And they didn't really come away. There was no like trade request or anything like that. They just kind of discussed it. And they're going to have further discussions as the offseason goes on. I think if we're going to see a trade, we're not going to see one – right away no. because they're going to they got to one let this horrifying end of the season kind of right. die down right because right now his value is at an all-time low yes so you got to let this cool off you got to talk to people and have some meetings get some conversation going right. to try and raise his value right now the best thing that the 76ers organization can do and is what they have done is said they Mori Daryl Mori came out and immediately said we're going to work on him. We believe in Ben Simmons. We think we yep. can fix this shot. That's what we're going to do this offseason. They're saying all the right things, yep. and that's what they absolutely have to do in order to try and get any sort of fair compensation for him. But, yeah, right now the uh, his value is at an all-time low, and they will get pennies on the dollar for him, especially because the pennies, the dollars on his contract are absurd for what we just saw out of him. He's getting paid $33 million a year yeah. to be at least what we saw in this postseason a guy that brings the ball up the court, plays great defense, and sets screens. You the Draymond Green. The fear of the unknown. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the basketball podcast for the hoop head. It is producers in the paint. This has been episode two. I'm RJ Saunders. This is Michael Phillips. We will join you again next week to talk more on the NBA and what's going around in the association.